I like the hamba because um, I heard a lot of good comments. They compare my hamba from others, and they just said that my hamba brings back memories, you know, in the Philippines. And they couldn't find the right hamba anywhere here in the U.S. Hello, everyone. This is Turutlo, the Filipino restaurant podcast. Where each week we profile restaurants or food trucks serving delicious Filipino cuisine. This is your host, Jean Carangal, avid home cook and event promoter for the Adobo Throwdown Cooking Competition and Food Expo. Here is part three of our interview with Seth Roundtree and Ruben Yap of Manila Star. What do you feel is your signature dish? far as what um, entree um yeah i think the the dinuguan really um and then those three dinuguan caldereta and sisin can you tell us about your your filipino pork barbecue how do you uh how do you how do you prepare your barbecue now for first of all what what kind what cut of meat do you use uh, we use the shoulder okay and because the intramuscular fat ratio is perfect for barbecue, um, stays tender, doesn't get dry, um, and also crisps, crisps up on the edges okay. because of the fat. And typically, I'll get a shoulder and I will, through a process, after doing, I don't know, 50 or 60 shoulders, I started to figure out that if you do more of a Japanese seam cutting, where you individually cut out each muscle because the shoulder has so many muscles that cross. And mm -hmm. if you if you cross cut them, then the meat's tough. So if you, and there's also a lot of ligament and tendon in there that's very hard and it doesn't render down fast enough when you're cooking it. So when you seam cut it, you're able to get solid muscle grain like a steak almost, mm -hmm. and then I'll slice it quarter inch. Yep, against um, the grain. Now, now we have a machine that does that, but I'll seam cut it, run it through the machine, won't, and I have perfectly quarter inch cuts. And then from there, we will marinate it for about 12, 12 hours, yeah. 12 hours okay. or so. Um, we'll cut it at night and then marinate it. So basically it just marinates overnight. And then, um, depending on how early they want it, they want it. Uh, sometimes we'll skewer it the same night and marinate it on the skewers. Sometimes we'll skewer it first thing in the morning. But from that point, I take it to the grill where I cook it over coals, so it gets the, the smoke flavor. We get a little bit of char on it, and then that's when we hit it with the banana ketchup. Okay. So you use the banana ketchup as a glaze? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Banana but ketchup. your marinade, does your marinade also contain banana ketchup? No, no we don't. No. We found, because you can't really taste the banana ketchup yeah. when you marinate it. It doesn't really add that much color either. The, mm -hmm. the banana ketchup really tends to run off of the meat. Um, there is a very specific time when you actually glaze the meat, which is what I've learned. Uh, through the process, but our marinade has some 7-Up 
uh, so the marcapena, brown sugar, brown sugar, um, garlic is pepper. very time consuming to dice. So we use a powder. Yeah, so we've gone from garlic, which you just throw away anyway. So okay. it's actually more efficient and yep. less time consuming to actually, uh, and that's where the Texas kind of influence for me comes in with a lot of what we do is, you know, I'll go to onion powder, garlic powder in the marinade uh, with brown sugar, and that's the marinade. And then the glaze is banana ketchup, sesame oil, and oyster. oyster sauce, and that's it. Okay, the sesame oil is, is that that's a little bit different. Um, so I use I use a lot of what you use for the marinade, but uh, my marinade includes the banana ketchup, and I do use I I went from using chopped garlic to garlic powder. It made more sense because most of the garlic was falling off the skewers anyway. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So it burns. It causes flare-ups in the fire. Um, and like, yeah, it's just, it's really just, it's a waste of money to yeah. buy fresh garlic for that purpose. And then you're throwing all the marinade away afterwards mm -hmm. anyway. Yep. You don't yep. use it. You know, you might be able to reuse it. One, We don't ever, we always use fresh marinade. But I guess if you're at home doing it for friends or something and you want to do, you know, a couple, a couple different batches, you can probably use this, get away with with using the same marinade, but we always throw it away. So very expensive too. But just one, you know, one piece is like what sixty-five cents now. Cents you know, yeah. and then so, how many do you need? You know, that's a lot. Okay. Have you have you figured out that there's a difference between when you marinate them on the skewers to marinating them and skewering them later? Is there any noticeable difference, or is it just um, no. what you have, whatever you have time for? Yeah, no, there's no real difference. Uh, it all turns out the same. Yeah, yeah. and well, then, there's some. Uh, yeah, sorry, before we used to we used to uh, use banana ketchup for marinating too, but then you know we noticed you know doesn't affect it doesn't really affect anything. It's like mm -hmm. it's the marcapena is what gives it its color. It's yeah, not it's the, not the, the same. Banana ketchup and it doesn't really impart much flavor, and it's just redundancy at that point because your your glaze is banana ketchup. Yeah, I would say that's the number one seller. Um, that's your number one seller is yeah, the barbecue. Yeah, I would say the barbecue. Yeah, because every time you know, give me a hundred pieces, as you know, per order. You know, they'll 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 place order hundred pieces, fifty pieces. You know, we'll end up making four hundred pieces in a weekend. You know, and before we got our machine, a hundred. Skewers yeah, it's still like that. Four, I said, "Oh my God, four, we need an yeah, we need an employee." You know. So yeah. yeah, it takes so much time to do that. Yeah, yeah but you're still that's for slice. You, you, you save a lot of time to slicing, but the still you're still skewering it by hand. There's no other yeah. way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I so hate that. <laughs> Doing that that's, really, oh, yeah. that's the the part I hate the most is the skewering part because yeah. you have so many pieces that are. I mean, when me when I slice it, then I wind up with these like really awesome. Uniform slices, but then you get those small little fatty things, and then it's like, All right, I don't want that to go away. So, what I usually do is whatever the small, whatever gets torn off, I'll use those to top the sticks, <laughs> right? Yeah. So that hey, if it stays on the stick, hey, it's so it's nice, it's a nice fatty flavor. And my I my um, my skewers are notoriously fatty, just because I don't throw any of the 
like most of the fat that does that will render, I will I'll keep that on. And I try to balance, you know, lean and fat on the same skewer so you get a bite, a different bite each time. I just think that having that like the fat kind of add I mean it just adds so much more flavor. Yeah, we put all the fatty fatty pieces on the tip of the skewer. So everyone gets a fatty fatty piece on, on yeah. each skewer. Yeah. Man, I'm getting hungry. <laughs> so that's your that's your that's your 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 main selling point. That, that's like that's that's the other thing too. That's so universally appealing, right? Who's yeah. going to say no to meat on a stick? Nobody. Nobody. So, it's a yeah. common thread through all civilizations. I mean, that's what what humanity started cooking with was over fire. We didn't boil yeah. things. We didn't know we yeah. could boil things until we had fire. So um, I think that's commonality in all cuisines is there is some type of grilling or barbecue. You know, Jin, we're also thinking because they love my, they, they love our barbecue. We're also thinking about selling just, just the barbecue sauce that we make and just sell it by jar. You know, that's, that's, that's just a, you know, mm-hmm. something to think about that we're planning to do. Yeah. I was so that, also yeah. say about the, the barbecue as far as the time, um, typically if you're just slicing it, it'll probably take you 45 minutes, 30 to 45 minutes to break down the shoulder. If you seam cut it, eh, it takes me about an hour to get all the, the cartilage and those hard knots out of the meat. And then I call the, it's like the cap of the shoulder. I call it the alligator tail. If you look at it, it's, it's kind of like wood grain and it looks like alligator meat. And that's one of the worst sections. And you get a lot of gristle that does not break down just around that point. And, and once you start seam cutting all those different muscles out, your, your meat will be so much more tender and you'll get a way more even cook with your barbecue. And it takes less time to cook it too. Yeah. So do you cook over direct heat the whole, the entire time? Or do you sear and then cook at a lower temperature? Like how do you do your cooking? So I'll throw everything. Once my fire is right, it's not too hot. I use a barrel pit and I can get about, because I leave the end section of my barrel open because that's where I put the finished skewers. So they'll they'll be sitting and they're still getting smoked until I'm done with, with all of them. But I will typically lay all my skewers out and I'll spray them with soy sauce to moisten them up. And then once that starts to dissipate, that tells me it's time to turn it. So then I'll turn them, spray them. Once it dissipates, that tells me it's time to put my glaze on. If you put it on before that, your banana sauce will run off. It will drip off. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, if you do it too soon, yep. That makes sense. It makes sense to let it cook a little bit and then so it'll absorb. To me, it, it feels like it absorbs more of the glaze when it's cooked. I cook. Yeah. And then, again, I I do a two zone. I cook until it's cooked all the way through and then off, on, on indirect heat and then I'll I'll sear it mm-hmm. um, afterwards. But that's, that so can be like the reverse it's, sear. Yeah, it's, it's a reverse sear. So you cook it until it's done, uh, four minutes uh, indirect heat. 
four minutes each side indirect heat, three to four minutes each side indirect heat, and then and I'm basing the last minute, and then right before I know right before it goes into direct heat for like 10, 15 seconds per side, and just to get that ch nice char. And then I then I, I hit it with another as soon as it's off the fire, I hit, I'll hit it with of course I'm using a, set, a different brush, right? Mm -hmm. uh, just another like hit of blaze. Mm -hmm. Then it goes into the container. Just to so, keep the moisture. It's, it's very, again, I'm not doing this as a business. It is <laughs> very expensive to do it this way. It doesn't make any, I wouldn't be able to make any money selling it, but that's just how I kind of, I, I do it for guests. Yeah. And so we also do chicken as well. Chicken. So what cut do you use? Uh, 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 dark meat? Yeah, we use thigh meat. Okay. And that's just because it's more tender, juicier, doesn't dry out. Chicken breast, you know, it tends to dry out more. And is it the same, um, uh, you use the same marinade? Yeah, everything is the same. Same process. Okay, same same marinade time? Mm -hmm. You don't cut the time because of the chicken? Nope. Okay. So this is where it's uh, skewered chicken is very challenging for me just because you really have to cut it super evenly. Otherwise they are going to cook. They're not going to cook. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I was at an event. I was actually helping out at an event and I was struggling because of the cut of the, I was grilling uh, chicken skewers and it's been a while since I've done that. I'm used to pork and it was very unforgiving. Mm -hmm. So I, I was really struggling. And also, so I chicken, can't... chicken has less fat, so it has a tendency to stick to the grill more than pork. Yeah, I would. So I would hit it, have to hit it with with cooking spray. But man, that chicken is 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 very tough, and that's where I kind of like have to do most of it indirect. So the is that? Do you get a lot of orders for chicken barbecue? Yes, the primarily pork. Okay, cool. And then are those all the, the the big entrees that you that you serve? No, we have more dishes. Okay. He's asking all all the big entrees we sell. Yeah. Oh no, we we have a lot. Um, Spare ribs. Yeah. Um, Big Bowl Express. Big Bowl Express. Um, so what's what what does what goes into Big Bowl Express? It's just coconut milk. Okay, it's coconut milk. And then, then you know the shrimp paste, mm -hmm. the shrimp okay. paste, the saltiness, yeah, and then the peppers. You gotta make it spicy. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> what what else goes in there? Is there pork in there? It's pork, yeah. Okay. Some people they they ask you know why don't you do um, chicken as well because they love the spicy food, you know. Uh -huh. But um, yeah, I I can do chicken you know as per request. Yeah. Okay. Because I have some customers that doesn't eat um, pork. Yeah. They just want uh, I mean, uh, chicken. So, you know, whatever they request. I mean, even, even my, my egg roll. My egg roll, I don't make much, a lot of um, um, lumpia in Shanghai. Because uh -huh. what they want from me is the, the turkey egg roll. That's, that's really sellable to me, too. Like, so... Uh, Turkey egg roll. I've never heard of that. So you use instead of pork, use... 
instead of uh, ground pork, I use ground turkey. Okay, but, but same, use... same, same ingredients, you know, just different meat. Okay, but you have to add some, do you add any fat to that or do you use a dark, just use a dark meat? Well, it's actually, I'm pretty surprised because I thought turkey is going to be dry when you use it for um, egg roll, but no, it's actually juicy. Well, it is dry, but I think it soaks up the water from the vegetables, which makes it not dry out. Because where, I, typically, yeah. where typically the water would, would expel from the egg roll and, you know, pop all over your face. I use, uh, I use hikama, you know, hikama with it, um, the carrots. Mm -hmm. So, and then sometimes the chestnut. Um, you know, with the chestnut, uh, what water, chestnut. It? water chestnut. Uh -huh. Yeah. So that's so this, uh, okay. So this is not really like the Lupyang Shanghai just substituting turkey. You're talking about adding like a vegetable filler. Uh, yeah. You're adding uh, jicama and you're adding water chestnut. That's so, for the, yeah. for, that's for Shanghai style, but okay. I do egg rolls as well veggie. with okay. veggies. With veggie. So yeah. what goes into your the veggie egg roll, the veggie lumpia? Um, I use the, um, the cabbage. Okay. Cabbage, um, some bean sprout, yeah. and then um, carrots, and then um, onion. That's pretty much it. Well, that's for the, what is it? That's the egg roll. But there's a name Ther for that. Turkey. For the, the bean sprout egg roll? What's that's the, the, um, the, no, you're talking about the toge. Oh, yeah, the lumpia toge. Yeah. yeah, that's my wife's favorite, and that's something I could never perfect. I can do Lupyang Shanghai. That's not a problem for me. What uh, the problem I have with the Lupyang Toge is, I, I don't. I'm I'm really not good at getting that seal, right? Uh -huh. Because when you don't have that seal, oil is going to seep in, and it's going to get oily inside. It's going to get soft. Um, do and you do you cook the do you cook the filling first, or you wrap it with? I mean, raw. I, I cook the filling, but I know enough to dry it out, right? So, is that a problem of the of the vegetables being too wet going into yes. the lumpia I wrapper? Is just it. a just bad technique on the lumpia wrapper. I don't no. get a tight enough seal because before before I wrap the uh, the veggies. I always strain it before before mm. wrapping it. Make yeah. it sure, you know, sometimes I have to squeeze it just to take all the juice out because mm. just like you said, you know, when you fry it, it's like really going to splatter everywhere. Yeah. And then it no, I, It's just the oil would seep in because my, 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 uh, I didn't seal it enough. Mm. So that's, that I'm still struggling with that. So yeah. hopefully... Uh, Orange starch and water to help it stick. I'm sorry? You can use cornstarch and water, like a glue, okay, and rub that, and that'll yeah. help it stick. Hmm, but usually, she, I let her roll. She's got very delicate. I got big European hands. <laughs> I I'm can not, roll fast. Yeah, I'm not oh, you know what? At the at the Adobe Throwdown, we're gonna have a, a lumpia rolling contest. Oh, I'll be in it. <laughs> All right, there we go. Yeah, there's gonna be a lumpia rolling contest. We haven't announced it yet, but it's happening. So. So I think that so you're I think with with the lumpia you're talking a little bit more of appetizers. So what other appetizers do you serve? Um, I don't do much appetizer, for real. I do more entree and uh, dessert. We just we just some shumai on request. Shumai uh, only for request, mm -hmm. but because I I don't really put too much on my menu 
because what even if I have menu, sometimes they don't follow it. They just want to order what they want. Yeah. Sure. You know. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I mean, a lot of customers they don't order appetizers from us besides just the egg roll. That's it. Egg rolls and lumpia Shanghai. That's it. And most of the wives typically make their own lumpias and their, their own egg rolls. Yeah. A lot of them. So most of them, yeah. We don't get too many orders for that. Yeah. Okay. What about uh, like this side dish, like pancit? Pancit, yeah, pancit, pancit bihon, pancit canton, palabo. I get that a lot. So, what are, of the of the three, what sells the most? Bihon. And then, how is your? How do you make your palabo? Um, I actually um, just use um, the. What do you call it? I don't I don't get much palabo order. So, you know, um I'm not really like focused on like finding the right recipe for that, like from the scratch. So I just use I mean honestly I just use the one from the Mamasinas. Ma- there you <laughs> or, go. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. but the canton, you know, make it from scratch everything except the palabok because palabok is just something that's kinda hard to find out what's the real in it. I've asked yeah. her. She, uh, she hadn't looked. I, don't know I, I haven't investigated yet. It's so, uh, shrimp stock. It's shrimp stock. Um, and um, uh, and the anana powder and, and cornstarch. Mm-hmm. And then you I'm just got to get the right proportions. I tried doing it one time. I can't remember. But it's not. What's the dish that has the anato? Oh, the the bow piece. Bow piece. That's the bow right. piece. Yeah, I use the anato yeah. oil for that. We okay. go to Berkshire and we get all of our kidney, heart, and spleen is what we use for or the bow piece, bow piece which okay. is the traditional in Spanish bow piece. Whereas I think Filipinos use the lung, but the lung is yeah, I just out. don't know. We don't have in the U.S. Yeah. You can't buy lung. So we have to go to the spleen just to provide that for customers looking for bulkies. Okay. And then, let's see. Do you have any more entrees or any any, any more side dishes? So you talked about the pancits. I, mean, I haven't had canton in a long time. But I, I always seem to default oh, to the palabok. Mm-hmm. I, I seem to be order, ordering the palabok every time I get a chance. Every chance I get, we get a lot of garlic shrimp and also the sweet and sour the tilapia. Hamba, the hamba, hamba, okay. hamba. Yeah, that's sellable too. Um, the chonpaksil. So you know, whenever we have extra uh, lechon, you know, I use it for lechonpaksil. Okay. Um, then the bistec too, as well. Yeah. Bistec. That's that's one sellable too. Yeah, we hear you love this deck. <laughs> yeah, this deck is awesome. I um I make grilled this deck. Grilled? So, yeah. So um, it's it's again it's completely different. It's it's totally non-traditional. So I use ribeye, I uh, just grill it until it's medium rare, and then I will then slice it up and then add the um because the way I use it, I use these grill grates. So I get the nice little uh uh, uh, grill marks, and then I use like the large 
like red onions, slice it up and then put it mm-hmm. on top of the grill grate so it nice, gets those nice little grill marks. And then uh, it's just going to be like equal parts soy sauce and lemon juice and just a little bit of olive oil. And that's like my favorite for beefsteak. Uh, but I do remember, and here's, I've never tasted anything like what my mom used to make for beefsteak. Um, she uses, she, I think she used tenderloin, but hers is my favorite and I've never had it since she passed. So, uh, and I don't think I'll ever taste anything like what she, what she made. So I didn't, I gave up. I didn't want to try what she did. I wanted to do, I, I did my own thing. So the, the grilled beef stick is my own thing. Well, she must've been a pretty good cook because tenderloin, you would have to cook really fast and yep. Be very she precise. knew exactly how to cut it. She knew exactly what how much oil needed to be on there just for the flavor. She used oil kind of like as a flavoring. And the, the onions were almost raw. They're almost raw to that get that texture. I think that you find that in a lot I find that in a lot of beefsteak, but the way she would do her meat, it would just melt in your mouth. It wasn't dry, it, it was just perfectly cooked. And I could not figure out how she did that. So we use chuck steak and sometimes round eye. We've done it with both and we've done it with the mixture. And it's really a price thing. We would love to do it with ribeye, but when you're trying to fill up a tray oh, yeah, and, make, and make <laughs> money and it's yeah, can't. Can't. You, you can't do that. So, But round eye and uh, okay. chuck will both work really good yeah. for that. Yeah, that's more of a that's that's more of a like a a, a kicked up ribeye uh, a ribeye beef steak is is like a steak entree. It's yeah. not it's not for catering. Yeah. Um, right. And then so I, I didn't want to talk about your desserts. Uh, do you still do dessert? Do you still do dessert? Yes. So you, you do your puta your puta flan. What's yes. your biggest seller as far as desserts? Leche flan, puto flan, um, my ubi cake, sapin, sapin. and sapin-sapin. Okay. Yeah. Sapin-sapin, that must be... Okay, I don't know how that's made. Is it's that... a gluten rice. I yeah. mean, or, you know, um, you steam it. Steam it, okay. It's, it's kind of like uh, making cochinta. It's okay. the same procedure. It's just, you just have to, you know, use... Um, um, coconut milk for for sapin sapin yeah sapin sapin for me is more like a uh, more like a fiesta food well i can eat cochinta anytime mm-hmm. and then so those are those are your desserts um and what dish okay so you this may uh, you may have to think about this what dish are you most proud of um you know, it could be any story behind it. It could be either like, okay, this is how, you know, your mom made it. This is how, if there's some kind of emotional attachment to that dish. I like the hamba because um, I heard a lot of good comments. They compare my hamba from others. And they just said that my hamba brings back memories, you know, in the Philippines. And they couldn't find the right hamba anywhere here in the U.S. Okay. So every so, time I serve that, it makes me happy because I can get the right 
response, you know, response from other from customers. So what what kind of meat do you use for your humba? It's a pork hock. Pork hock. Okay. Yeah. And does that that have the star of anise and uh... Yeah, I boil them first to mm-hmm. get rid of all the smell strong you know, the scum and um yeah, for forty five minutes and then uh you know, with the vinegar, you know, um with bay leaves, um anise, um black pepper, you know. And then um, after that, you know, saute it with garlic and and um, onion. You know, it's kind of like adobo, adobo. How you make the adobo? Okay. You know. And then I put them. I put it in a um, instapot as well to make it tender. Okay. Make it easier that way. And then you know, I have seven up, seven up oyster sauce. You know that those up uh, ingredients. Okay. And then. Uh, wait. What was your sugar component? Did you add what kind of sugar? Use sugar. I use a little bit of sugar, and I use the banana blossom. Okay. So you just put a little bit of sugar. I mean, isn't it supposed to be like really the humba is supposed to be really sweet? Because the banana blossom makes it sweet. It does. I didn't know that. I yeah. never heard. I, I I never have that. So that's why I, I, I never I was, had the banana blossoms. I was like, disappointed fresh. when I when I had a hard time to find the banana blossom because that's that's what my mom's recipe too. You know, uh, she told me banana blossom helps it to make it sweet. You don't ha- okay. even you know you don't even have to add um, sugar. Okay. So now that I have source where to get it, I always get a bunch of those because sometimes you can't find that from Asian store. Mm. Okay. Okay. Um, was there any other dish that you wanted to talk about that we didn't, uh, you know, maybe you want to highlight or? Um, uh, I think that's pretty much it. I think. Well, yeah, I mean, a lot of things are just on request. We, Our menu is pretty deep. Um, and if there's something that's not on the menu, people will call us and say, can you do this? And we'll get into yeah. the kitchen. We'll practice it. And we'll lock it down, and then we'll sell it. So mm-hmm. there's nothing we can't cook. And with my experience and my my education, we find a way, we figure it out, and we always get good results. So we're open to anything, even if it's not on the menu. Uh, we let our customers know that oh, okay. you know if there's something that you want, something you want us to try. You know, we're open for it. Okay. So so we talked about your menu. Now I want to go. Now to talk about, you know, like the challenges in operating a catering business like yours. So what's been the most challenging when you started your business last year? Like what what, what has been the biggest challenge for you? Cooking and taking care of a five-month-year-old baby. It's <laughs> uh, just the balance of And the time, time management, like we do deliver. Mm-hmm. We do that because a lot of customers, they don't drive. You know, most of the Filipinos, though, mm-hmm. you know, some of our customers, do you do this? Do you deliver? Because my husband can't take me there, you know, to pick it up. So we have to make an effort to deliver to their house. So since we're doing that, you know, we charge them delivery fee. And since we're doing that, you know what? Instead of waiting for them, you know, at home, you know, why not? deliver it, you know, deliver this um, uh, food to their house. So let's say, for example, 
on Friday, we'll, um, our spot would be Round Rock, you know, or Friday we'll go to um, Georgetown, you know, mm. we have set up. Buda, Kyle. We went yeah. all the way to Buda. We, you know where we live? We live in Florence, mm. which is towards Killeen. Okay. Wow. In Georgetown and Killeen. Yeah. And but we cater to We cater Killeen, to Kyle. Copper's Cove. We have people in well, Tampa. We are all over. Um, Bertram, the Burning Area, Liberty Hill. Yeah. Uh, Cedar Park. Under everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Pflugerville. Yeah. So mainly the the whole Austin area, every surrounding small town of Austin, we deliver to. I actually have some some customers from Waco. They pick up. They come to our. They come to my place to pick up the stuff. Yeah. I think a lot of people now they figured out that you know if you're catering and then if you include delivery, uh, you're it's just gonna eat up so much of your time. Yes. Uh, doing delivery, which is not worth it. It is better, and some people have figured out that hey, it's better to tell people you don't deliver. It's either you pick it up here or you have to go somewhere else, and they can they can figure out okay, well we can we, we'll pick it up. There's some that do that, and, they, and some can get away with that. So yeah. the, the, the the delivery. What about what other challenges? Uh, Food sourcing, <clears throat> product sourcing, getting the products that we need. Um, since COVID, everyone's having. Oh yeah, shortage of uh, shortage of ingredients. Yeah. You know. Okay. Yeah. Sometimes so, she uses like a for her egg rolls. For instance, she uses a pastry. It's a, mm -hmm. it's more of a Chinese pastry wrap. Yeah, it's because very, I couldn't very, find anything. Yeah, very but... thin and very delicate, but it makes the crunchiest egg roll. Everyone loves her egg rolls, and they're out for a while. And then we went to a green wrapper, and yeah. those egg rolls explode. <laughs> yeah. Out of out of for the, some reason that uh, the other the other um, egg roll wrapper that I I use. Oh my God! No matter what I do. I, I wrap it really nice, but then when you fry it, it just explodes. It explodes. Yeah. I don't know what reason because mm -hmm. I use I use the same filling, everything. It's just that wrapper. That I said, what the heck is this? You know, like what's wrong with this? So yeah, that's the part having a hard time to find the right. Yeah, know, we stuff. don't have access to like Cisco, you know, some of the major distributing companies that you would deal with on corporation or restaurant side, you know, as a small company starting out catering, we don't have access to that, you know, because right. we don't have the volume to, to justify uh, being in that system. We're not spending that much money yet. Okay. Maybe in the future, possibly we could, but, you know, even at that I, I have a lot of chef friends from school. Everyone's basically dealing with the same situation as availability of products, um, deliveries being pushed back, things not, you know, having to outsource and, and find other products, uh, regional, I also, mainly local. I also started, like, contacting, you know, the Philippines, you know, um, where we can to find a source where we can get the wholesale product. Maybe it's if it's affordable or you know if it's better to deal with them, you know, to ship it here, you know, because we're trying, we're like getting to that point where we need a lot of supplies. 
you know. So um, you think it'd be worth it to uh, to that's get what a, um, I I know someone there. I know someone there that they said they sell products from the Philippines, ship it to the U.S. So I'm trying to figure out how much gonna cost, you know, to do that. So okay. we're still gonna figure that out. Yeah, and pigs like for because we want to do whole lechon. But we're just really dissatisfied with the way the final product is. And so I'm looking into, you know, local farmers that raise a higher quality pig. And, you know, even if, if we get that issue settled and we can get a really nice product, the Berkshire pig is three times more expensive than your everyday run-of-the-mill pig that is just raised for me. Because we can get a belly with rib on number four for 68, 70 bucks, something like that. Mm -hmm. And then a Berkshire and even just the whole piglet, I think was what, 20 pounds, 40, mm -hmm. 40 something dollars. And then a, 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 heri a heritage cheap. breed, a higher, uh, higher quality pig is $150 for a 20 pound pig. And, you know, like, Earlier, I said we're in a double dip recession and everyone's cutting back on their spending. And, you know, so like I said, even if we can get that done, are people going to be willing to pay the price? Right. Because you're already looking at the product as being tripled on our end. And then you add the charcoal, the time, and everything else. And so now you're looking at you know, a, a 20 pound whole pig costing $400 versus what we're charging to. Yeah. 250, 50. 250 yeah. for a 20 pound pig. So you're almost yeah doubled right there in yeah. price. It's, yeah. So, yeah and, and again, it's, it's all, it's, it's about, it's not how much it costs you. It's about how much somebody's willing to pay. Yeah. Right. And if people are not willing to pay that price, then it is not worth it. And that's one of the goals too, is I'm trying to impart on her is, you know, Demographically, uh, the South, South Pacific Islands, the population here in the U.S. is only, you're just now 1%. So you're trying to build a business serving 1% of the population. And that 1% of the population in Texas is probably 0. 0.0001 one of that 1% that's here in Texas. And so how much of that business are you going to grab? And so that's where we're kind of, like I said, we're kind of evolving and we're, I want to make dishes a lot more friendlier so that it's more appealing to Americans Yep. because we need a broader um, customer base if we want to be successful. Because we yeah. can't just rely on, on Filipinos to come no. eat, eat our food. We're, you know, we're not going to get rich, and you know, we won't be very successful doing that. And we're slowly, we're slowly getting there. I think we're getting there slowly. So, yep. There, there's also, and this is where I'm very hopeful, is that hey, Filipino food shouldn't only just be for Filipinos. I mean, exactly. I'm not, I'm not Italian. I love pizza, right? So why can't you know, other, uh, why can't non-Filipinos learn to like Filipino food? And I think that's coming. I think that's starting, right? Yeah, fusion is, I think fusion is the future. It's, yep. it's important. 
um, a lot of the the early people that are stepping out there doing it, you know, they get heavily criticized, but in the end, I think they're going to be more successful because, you know, like I said, you have to have a broader base. And the only way to do that is to either fuse the food, which with Filipino cuisine, it's, it's actually easy because the Philippine islands are influenced by India, part of uh, Asian culture, and then Islamic in the Southern part. And so it's very, and, and then the Spanish, so it's very easy to cross over into Mexican food, which I'm heavily influenced by being a Texan. And then the Asian aspect kicks in and then, you know, curry curry. Um, y'all don't do too many curry dishes, but there is an Indian influence there. So like Kapatad, they sell Chinese food. You know, mm-hmm. they, they don't just sell Filipino food, so to be successful. That's because that location was previously a Chinese restaurant, so they got part of the Chinese cuisine to keep their old customers, but they introduced, which was was great, because now you introduced uh, uh, people who may not have normally eaten Filipino food. And, yeah, so just just like you said, fusion food is where it's going to be at. You combine two things like seasick and nachos, right? Seasick nachos. Why not? Seasick breakfast tacos. Seasick tacos. All those things lend themselves. Even the caldereta, we tried that with tacos. That's kind of like a carne gasada. Exactly like a carne gasada. Burgers, ube, ube, hamburger buns. Mm-hmm. Using and you can top it either with a longanisa patty, which I it's really hard to do a longanisa patty because of the sugar content. You can't really use a griddle. What you can do is you can do a hamburger, right? A, a beef, a hundred percent beef burger, but and you put longanisa crumbles on top of it and an egg. So that is right. a Filipino style burger. Yeah, and that's what's interesting about fusing is it's it's really easy. I mean, in concept because it's like legal work um, when. I did some paralegal work back in my days as well. And what you learn is, is when you're, when you're filing legal work, there is a specific document that must be filed to achieve what you want. And in the legal world, they call they call them vehicles. So parallel that with cooking and fusion food, it's look at things as vehicles, pizza dough, you can make a pizza out of anything. Hamburger buns, you can make a hamburger out of anything. Tortillas, you can make a taco yep. out of anything. So if you if you think in lines of that, fusion is actually really easy and then crossing over into these these other ethnic ethnicity uh, cuisines is rather easy. Okay. So you talked about also I want to go back to uh when you're talking about the future, what are your uh, future, what's your vision for the future? What are your future plans? Future plans. Hoping to have our own place. (laughs) Okay. Not necessarily a full restaurant. I think with COVID, I learned a lot. You don't want overhead. There's so much overhead. You got waiters, waitresses, expediters. Um, Don't need them. All we need is a base camp, brick and mortar for a sign. We're thinking tables on the outside, um, order to pick up. And also you have Uber, DoorDash, Hot Plate, 
and they can do the delivery. Uh -huh. So you cut out a lot of your overhead by doing that as well. And then right. our, our other ideal, I guess, or goal would be a food truck, which I'd rather be in a brick and mortar, but the advantage of a food truck is the mobility. You know, if you're not doing good in one location, you can move anytime you want. So there's pros and cons, I think, with that. But ultimately, we would like to be in either or mm -hmm. and not just catering. Yeah. Okay. What about doing like food pop-ups, um, going to different festivals and doing, doing a pop-up? And this way you yeah. can kind of yeah. have that effect of a food truck, but you're there right. with a lot of, with a, a set number of people or people who come to that like event mm -hmm. and they're already, they're a captive audience. Yeah, right? we yeah. just started. We just we started. Are, yeah, we're heading to that direction. <laughs> yeah, we're going right. to Buda. There's a big Filipino event here coming up in Buda. That'll be our first Have event. you heard that? I saw it. I started seeing ads for it, but I'd love to. Yeah, I'm probably going to make it. Sure. Absolutely. I will be there. Yeah, so we'll be there. And then, of course, we have the Adobe Throwdown. That's another <laughs> event on, yep. on the books. Can't wait. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, vision for the future you're thinking brick and mortar, um, either a food truck or a, a, a small brick and mortar with not really full service. It'll be like, uh, take out and because uh, uh, that makes that makes sense, yeah. right? You don't have waiters where they can, people can just pick up their order, pay for it, and then leave, right? Yeah. Or if they want, if you know, they can sit. We'll have like picnic area. They can sit outside and eat if they choose to. If they want to stay yeah. in the area, right? You know, yeah. In this day and age, that makes the most amount of sense because think about it this way: instead of them. You know, having to wait there in line to place an order, they can place it. You know, theoretically, they can place it online. Yeah. And where it's already queued, and they will tell them when they're roughly. You know, once you have a system going, roughly when their order is ready. So they just come when it's like right about when it's ready, and then they come pick it up, and then they and they leave. Yeah. Um, and then know. they can are they can. Are you familiar with the um, the kitchens? The uh, ghost. Those kitchens, yeah. Those yeah. kitchens that they ran yeah. out, they got a yeah. locker system. You know, it makes more yeah. sense to do something like that. You have your queue, you prep it, boom, yep. put it Absolutely. in the locker. They come get it. You don't have to deal with customer face-to-face. -face. Also, yeah. so you're limiting traffic. Uh, you're limiting, there's health issues there, right? Uh -huh. Communicable communicable diseases and colds that you don't want. So you're cutting down on all that. And then also then there's the overhead. So overall, yeah. it makes the most sense, especially sure. we don't know, is there going to be another lockdown? <laughs> yeah, you, Hopefully know, you, not. you never know. I, yeah, yeah, I probably not. not. Yeah, I hope not either. I'm hoping, well, just for COVID, that this would be like, hey, this is going to be like the, like the common flu, like every seasonal flu. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so... Let's see. So that's good for future plans. All right. So we are now at the uh, the uh, time of the show where we call it's called the lightning round. Lightning round. So I'm going to ask <laughs> 20 questions. So I think Rona, I'm going to ask you. <laughs> all right, 20 questions that you have to answer in less than 90 seconds. This is really easy. 
Okay. And all this is is I'm going to say uh, I I I'm going to uh, ask you the question, and you're going to say the first thing that comes to mind. And okay. it's really easy because really it's a choice, and you pick pick one. Okay. okay. You ready? Ready. All right. Sisig versus dinuguan. Dinuguan. Bukopai versus egg pie. Bukopai. Karekare versus bulalo. Bulalo. Leche flan versus buko pandan. Leche flan. Chicken versus pork adobo. Uh, chicken. Turon versus banana cube. Turon. Tapsilog versus spamsilog. Longsilog. No, uh, it's tapsilog versus spamsilog. Oh, uh, tapsilog. Okay. Biputo versus bibinka. Puto. Filipino barbecue versus chicken in a sal. Filipino barbecue. Cassava cake versus biko. Biko. Pansipion versus pansipalabo. Bion. Mezconiello versus halo-halo. Halo-halo. Y caldereta versus pechado. Oh, caldereta. Tinola versus sinigang. What is it? Tinola versus sinigang. Oh, sinigang. Lying versus Biko Express. Lying. Quack-quack versus fishball. Quack-quack. Adidas versus isaw. Isaw. Lumpiang toge versus lumpiang sariwa. Uh, lumpiang toge. Chicken afritada versus pork menudo. Afritada. Crispy pata versus lechon kawali. Lechon kawali. There you go. That's <laughs> all right. You made it. <laughs> I made yeah, it. That was 90 seconds. All right. Oop, reset, reset. All right. So describe your catering business in one word. The best. That's two Evolving. words. The best. Evolving. 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 There you go. That sounds good. Okay. So we. So this is us wrapping up. What is the best way to get a hold of you? Uh, social media. Okay. Um, and Ronnie Yap or uh, Manila. Uh, I have, we have a Facebook page, Manila okay. Star. Okay. So we'll post all that on the show notes. And then I think that is it. Uh, so Seth and Ronnie. Thank you so much for your time. This has been a lot of fun. Thank you. Thank you for having us. We enjoyed it. Hey, no problem. Thank you for listening to Turuturo, the Filipino restaurant podcast. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Salamat po at magkita tayo sa susunod. Thank you so much, and I'll see you in the next episode.